TTB Music Podcast. Yes, this is a tune, and uh, welcome to yet another podcast from your uh, friends here at CTTV Music. Yeah, that's what we call ourselves. Um, and uh, I think this, we should uh, dedicate this particular show to uh, Jen Veen and Dean, who are jetting back to Australia. Uh, actually, Jen's already jetted back to Australia. All oh, right, okay. Um, but Dean and Veen are oh. off See. in a couple of weeks. Um, oh. Bye. Good luck, guys. Anyhow. And uh, safe travels. Indeed. And you can still get us on the internet. Indeed. If you miss the dulcet tones <laughs> of me and Pete, you can have us all to yourself. Tell, tell Australia all about us. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we're back. Uh, we've got some new albums to review. Uh, we've got the latest second album from Churches, Every Eye Open, or is it Open Every Eye? I keep getting it wrong. Every Open Eye. Uh, John Grant, uh, great tickle, Black Pressure. Uh, speaking of pressure, he's under a lot of pressure, given that we basically said his last album was the best album we've yeah. reviewed on the podcast. Uh, we have The Return of New Order with Music Complete. We have the third album from uh, metal band Death Heaven, New Bermuda. And uh, we also review 1989, both Taylor Swift's original version and Ryan Adams's complete cover of it. However, we shall start with uh, Glasgow's Churches and their second album, Every Eye Open. What do you think, Pete? Hang on a second, I was just reading the Janet Jackson track listing. Ah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot yeah, Janet. Her album Unbreakable. Yeah, we're yeah. doing that as well. Yeah, we'll get to that at some point. Churches, right, um, Every Open Eye. There are two albums in this podcast, that uh, possibly three, that clearly hark back, possibly four, that clearly <laughs> hark back to the 1980s, um, but do it in ever so different ways. Um, this one was probably the most more authentic, which is a surprise, yes. considering that perhaps the other albums to which I am possibly referring to be found out. Um, this, I actually really enjoyed this record. I, I found, I was trying to recall the first album of theirs, which I do vaguely recall. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember it being a, a, what I would have probably called at the time a solid album. Uh, but actually, I thought this was this was actually a very enjoyable indie record, but obviously had a, a very thematic sort of 80s, um, I'm going to say kind of new wavy yeah. vibe running through it but obviously you know you sort of classic synth in there as well um, and uh, some some great songs it's not the best album of the year it's certainly not the best album of the podcast maybe um, but it's certainly a, a more than solid album and um, I would recommend this to anyone that's sort of looking for that indie sound this year who has liked um, who has liked? Um, I was thinking of Always as well. Yeah, and um, and maybe even John Grant too. Uh, they're, they're a younger their sound, obviously. The the voc- vocal is very he's very much younger. But but yeah, good record. Yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of the first album. So I really, really, first album really, really grew on me. Um, 
Uh, although we didn't actually review it on the podcast. Did we? No, I didn't. didn't. No. Okay. It kind of fell between the cracks, as it, as it were. Okay. Um, Don't know so, what I was listening to then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just heard some of the other sort of songs. Some songs did get pl- got a lot of airplay on the first album. Yeah. Um, I, what I quite like about this album is, is uh, you've covered quite a lot of these. There is that kind of, uh, as you say, that kind of 80s synth pop thing, but definitely toward, leaning more towards the kind of the Depeche old, Mode kind yeah, of... The alt. ...version of it. Yeah. Um, and in fact, similar to the Depeche Mode, you've even got the uh, token... Song for, song with bloke singing. Yeah. <laughs> it's Martin's turn. <laughs> yeah. Go on, you can sing a song. Go on. Uh, which kind of made me laugh. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I, I, I do like this album. I don't think it's as strong as the first, first album, but it, it is, particularly the, the first half of it, is chock full of good pop tunes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a solid pop record. So there you go. Solid. Quickly dispatched. I know. Solid. 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 So we can move move on to Mr. Grant, who uh, bizarrely we were just listening to ahead of this podcast, uh, being interviewed on Dermot O'Leary's radio show. Uh, sounding very good. It well. sound very good. Yes. So the return uh, the return of Mr. Grant, as as I said, uh, his last album we liked a lot. To put it, it was mildly, probably our favourite album ever, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So no, no pressure at all <laughs> for the third album. Um, so let's get the bad news out of the way first. This isn't as good a record as that. Mm, agree. However, it is still a pretty good record. It is a fine record. Um, all the things we liked about him last time round are back. Uh, so, you know, his somewhat wry sense of humour and uh, lyrical writing style. Um, is it there to the fore? Um, just and just some brilliantly daft rhymes. So you know, I think it's in No More Tangles, and he goes, "Stockholm is a place I adore, but the syndrome by that name is one I abhor." <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's both wonderful and crap <laughs> in equal measure. Uh, um, you know, you know, is, is that the uh, you're you're so sweet? I, I really love how you hate. You seem like someone they should chemically castrate. <laughs> some of the stuff of that, you know, it's just great, it's great stuff. Yeah, it's great subtle stuff. and yet not subtle. <laughs> yeah, but well, but what I do like about this al- album uh, a lot, actually, is, is his first solo album was very much a, a kind of acoustic, mm. kind of folky type ba- based thing. Yeah. The last album introduced elements of kind of synth pop and various other kind of weirdness into it, and this musically jumps forward again so yeah. in this, in this you've got both those things both those influences again plus bizarrely indie mm. got Go, indie goes all indie rock in a couple of, in a, yeah. on a couple of tracks uh, so it's a it's a more varied palette musically than probably either of the last two albums uh, picking out tracks that uh, really work for me um, I like the title track uh, Great Tickles, Black Pressure, really like that. Um, Global Warming, which was playing earlier on, um, is great and also very very funny. And and I think it's uh, Disappointing, which is the current single, yeah, uh, which has Tracy Thorne on it as yes. well. Um, I also like a lot. But like I said, but it is. It's overall. It's it's whilst not quite hitting the uh, dizzy heights of the last album, it's still. 
certainly an album that is better than most that have been out this year. I, I think your expectations were all obviously so, so, so high. Yes, yeah, so you've been warned, David Bowie. New yeah. album out in January. No, yeah, don't, don't bother. Um, <laughs> yeah, how does he top that? Um, John Grant, back to John Grant. The expectations were so high that um, I, I think I was always going to get a sense of, um, of disappointment. Um, yes. Which I think on my first listen I did. Um, Ditto. Yeah, I, it, it took me a while to warm up to this one. But, but as you say, all the elements that made the last two albums so good and the last album so great are still there. Um, you touched on the variation in sound and style. I think that's possibly where my initial approach to this mm. kind of felt because I thought, ah, I can't. Where's it going? I don't know. Um, but I decided after a few listens that not only is this a very good album, um, it's probably also the best Scissor Sisters album we've had for a very long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> he smashes that 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 genre subgenre. Um, uh, in, pl- in part, but, but whilst bringing o- over elements. And I think, actually, if you were a fan of the first album, yeah, um, you could probably relate more to this in terms of that folk style. I think it's more prevalent here than it was on the last album, even. Yeah, I suppose. In, in places. So, so, if anything, he's kind of come full circle while taking it forward, as you say, to another step. I'd be, I'd be curious to know. I'm looking, obviously, looking forward to the fourth um, old metal indie album um, <laughs> that, that he's no doubt cooking up, um, but yeah, it did, I, without doubt, this is one of the better records of the year. I'm still not sure it's the best record of the year. No, I wouldn't say it was the best, yeah, but, of the year, but, but you know, it's certainly up there. And um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it's an album I could and will listen to again. Yeah. And, again. and there's some amusing, uh, you know, some, like I said. Some of the seventies, lots of seventies references in it, like that last one. So I, I like the bit where he's kind of uh, talking about trying to go and see Joan, Joan Baez, and it turns out they're going to see <laughs> Jonas Policewoman. And then he kind of references kind of Angie Dickinson's seventies cop show, Police Policewoman, yeah. followed by references to Dallas as well with Charlene Tilton and stuff like that. It's particularly kind of funny. Yeah, <clears throat> and of course, there's a song about Hitler and knitting sweaters. Yes, yes, very bitter, and yet uniquely comical and yet uniquely sad John Grant all together yeah know. although he's much, he's much happier on this album yeah uh, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the, thing about, the thing about the last album was the fact that the last, last album is possibly one of the best breakup albums and this ever is, this is probably see where your favourite artists suddenly settle down and get happy yeah yeah you know it, it, you, you, you guess I guess you lose that edge um, but no, he's not lost it at all by the way no he hasn't so that's John done. Let's move on to uh, <clears throat> what you might have been talking about early, earlier, earlier on. Uh, really? Well, you said you mentioned the eighties, I do believe, <laughs> and we have the return of New Order <laughs> and their uh, tenth album. Yeah, uh, which I thought they'd have done more than that. No. There you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this is the, uh, their first without uh, Pete Hook. But it's arguably their first as the original lineup for. A good decade or so. Yes, well, because Gillian Gilbert, because Jill, yeah. Gillian Gilbert's returned the band after taking oh. off time to look after kids. And I think that's a that. really important thing. Um, yes, I would agree. Uh, music, in particular for this album, which really does go back in many ways to their late '80s, early '90s heyday in terms of the sound, um, and the fact that you've got both Gilbert and Morris there, uh, it really is apparent now. They weren't just the other two; they have been the solid. Sorry. 
the um, the engine room just yes. to New Order. And as great as the bassist as Peter Hook is, there are times on here where you don't really miss him. No. And when he is needed, he's quite easily replicated. It does seem so, yes. Yeah, yeah. A couple of tracks on the late, latter part of the album are very kind of mm. bassy. Yeah. I mean, I like Peter Hook. I've always liked Peter Hook. I like, I like, I like him in interviews. I like his books. Um, I like what he's done subsequently. Um, but no, it, the, the, there isn't that. You, you don't miss him. It, it's that's you know. Anyway, um, this album, as I've said, it's really strong for me. This one, in terms of, in terms of a, a, a new order, uh, almost a classic new order album. I, we think, and not not. We said this earlier in the year about Blur sort of going back to their heyday and actually pro- progressing at the same time. Yes. Um, New Order, I feel, are on a similar track with, with this album as well in terms of it's a classic New Order sound and yet you feel it feels current. Yeah, uh, and it feels I, think I think that's right. right. Yeah. And it's certainly their best record in a, lo- a long while. A long time. Let's say 20 years. Yeah, that's probably yeah. fair. Yeah, Um you know, I, I, I always remember their, their comeback at the early noughties was uh, was good, but yeah. but it had more of a rock base to it un, for understandable reasons. This really takes you back to what New Order's about. Yes, this is definitely more more synthy than yeah. the, their last few releases, which, as you said, have, have been more indie guitar based. Yeah, and um, I, I, I really I really enjoyed this album. I probably enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed any New Order album, as I say, for a very long time. Uh, it, it has classic opening, Restless. It, yes. Even the title seems like it's, it's jumped straight out of 1987. Um, and uh, there are a couple of tracks on here I noted with the influence, the Chemical Brothers, which is log- as logical to me. The Chemical Brothers are, are the, 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 um, the bastard offspring of, of New Order in, in many ways. Yes. Um, and um, there are some really good tracks, particularly on the first half of the album, Found it perhaps did drift back towards sort of indie uh, territory. See, that's interesting because I prefer the second half of the album. <laughs> Classic split. Yeah. See from see from see from me. Yeah. Restless, 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 restless is fine. Yeah. Then I could pretty much ignore the album until yeah. we get to Stray Dog. Uh, Stray okay. Dog onwards. Yeah. So it's, I, it's, I love so, the record. Yeah. So it's Stray Dog onwards where I start to my attention starts to wander slightly. Um, but, uh, but until we get, of course, until the final closing track. And you sit there and you scratch your head and you think, is that Brandon Flowers? Yeah. Of course it is. And that's got a real Killers vibe to it as well, which I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, but better than yeah. Killers recently. Better than recent Killers output. Anyway, so so why don't you t- handle the second half? Yeah, like, uh, I, I, I love the second half. And and for me, Stray, Stray Dog, which is, which back to you talking about uh, Gilbert and Morris. Mm. Um, as far as I'm aware, this pretty much started off as an instrumental piece that they'd, that they'd written. And the track itself is... Uh, basically, a poem yeah. that uh, Mr. Sumner had, had written, uh, but as read uh, mm. by E. Bob. Yeah, uh, and it is literally a reading, yeah. but it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a six a six and a half minute track. Yeah, beautiful musically. Uh, the poem is a lovely, lovely piece of work, and mm. it it just works a treat with. His voice, yeah, which works complements brilliantly, yeah, with the instrumental. Yes, I mean, it is. It's one of the things that they don't they don't really go together, and yet no. they do. And yet they do, and and you don't really know it's Iggy Pop. 
so yeah, so for me, that's where the album comes 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 alive, and and I think the quality of the writing from then on is really good. Nothing but a fool in particular that I really really like. Um, as you said, it ends on a, on a high with Superheated, which is as you say mm. one of the best Killers songs that mm. Killers haven't written recently. So yes, definitely a, re- a return to form to use that old cliche. But it is. Yes, it certainly is, and yeah. I think it's certainly the probably the only New Order album of the last decade, couple of decades that's yeah. worth purchasing. Yeah. So you know, Peter, if you're listening. Yeah. yeah. Just kiss and make up. Yeah, you're not really being missed, mate. No. Right. <coughs> Deep breath. <laughs> we now move nice. on. We now move on to uh, <laughs> Death Heaven and New Bermuda. Um, we've pretty. We've done pretty well by metal over the last couple of, couple of years. And whilst not intentionally, and it really is not intentionally, uh, we seem to have ended up uh, at the more challenging ends of the genre, um, with quite a lot of doom and death metal being in our uh, review batch. And uh, this definitely ticks the, the, those boxes. Uh, this is the third album from this uh, American, American band, and um, I think doom and death metal is pretty much sums up what we've got here. We've got five tracks, uh, all the tracks... Uh, verging on 10 minutes long and this is kind of a weird album really in a lot of ways because they, they are a, a doom death metal band but they're, they're almost like a kind of prog yeah. doom death metal band if that yeah. makes any sense whatsoever um, and it is weird you start, you kind of start off brought to the waters the opening, opening track and you've got this kind of church bell eeriness type, type of you know cliched metal opening almost um you're almost expecting kind of spinal tap to kind of come out and then you get some typical thrash drums and strummed power chords and i'm thinking oh this is this is all right this is all right and then you get uh i probably didn't just so just doing that for me has given me a sore throat so i'm not quite sure how uh uh george clark who is the the singer uh manages to do it and as we've discussed previously on the podcast with uh, i'm not really a fan of the the screaming growling vocal approach um and particularly when there is no contrast because some of the albums we have dealt with before where there has been screaming there's also then suddenly been proper yes proper proper singing or other stuff other stuff going going on so there's more kind of Contrast. Yeah. Whereas with George, there's not really any contrast. It's scream, 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 scream. <laughs> and and it, yeah, exactly. That's what. No, so, and it, I only respect to these guys that do it. <laughs> and so you've got the, like the opening track is is a pretty good kind of Slayer Metallica kind of thing. Mm. But then kind of ruined a bit when he anytime he starts singing. Yeah. Um, and there is, and, and it's, this is the uh, but the annoying thing about this album, and why I said it's kind of proggy, because in most of the tracks, there are bits in the tracks that are really good. You get nice, nice there's a, um, a musical passage about four minutes into the op- opening track where it gets all kind of indie rock and mm. kind of shoegaze. Yes, shoegaze. Yeah. Very, very much, very much. Yeah. Before Mr. Screamy jumps back into the yeah. to the end. Um, so, so I think tracks one, I think tracks one, three, and f- five all have bits in that I like. Track two, Luna, is just awful. Um, 
quite possibly one of the, the worst thing I've had to listen to in, in this podcast. Um, track four, come back, not particularly much better. Actually, Gift to the Earth, the final track, is quite interesting. I don't know if you don't noticed it, but there's... Again, I think we're talking about halfway through. Kind of champagne supernova? Yeah. That's it, exactly. It's been dogging me all week, that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can sit there. You yeah. can sit there thinking, yeah. oh, I'm gone. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, it's suddenly gone all oasis. It all goes to the indie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that particularly is a, is, a, is a fine example. Gifts to the Earth, the final track, mm. as an instrumental track. Brilliant. Would have been great. Yeah. But unfortunately, like I said, it is kind of ruined by. Uh, so this is definitely a. There are bits in the album to admire, but overall, it's hard to listen to. Yeah. Really. I think, and that's the problem. Um, it's very difficult to listen to because, as you say, the contrast in vocal styles isn't there. However, there's some really lovely bits on this. Yeah. I, I really, I, I, there are times when I forgot about him and you get these beautiful instrumental soundscapes and, uh, you know, sort of, kind of metal trance, shoegazy, moves to indie and... Uh, I thought it was fantastic. You know, I thought oh, I could listen. I could listen to an album of this exactly quite happily. And then the drums are start again, and there he was, and, he, and it just came in almost like almost like it was edited in in places. Yeah. It's just like bam, there you go, minute of that, and you kind of fast. You think in your mind, can I fast forward? <laughs> I mean, that's actually kind of Pink Floydy at times, <laughs> exactly. Which is the weird weird thing yeah. as well. Can I say yeah. it does definitely have that kind of prog. You're just like okay, just skip the next thirty seconds. I get back to the music again. <laughs> you know, um, and that's not how you do it. Um, I mean, particularly in Baby Blue. Yes. I found myself really enjoying this album. That is that, and that is very yeah. shoegazy. Yeah, very shoegazy. Uh, but as you say, it was uh, one of the most frustrating albums I think we've listened to for a very long time because there were moments that were just beautiful. And then there are moments that were just absolutely utter turds. Yes, you know, and uh, it's an album. It's an album of contrasts. <laughs> oh, it is. Yes, <laughs> it's, like, it's Marmite for people that love and hate Marmite. <laughs> yeah, that that's a pretty good description of it. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a difficult, a, a difficult album. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely, definitely one. If you're buying anyone for, this one, that one for Christmas, don't. Yeah, you're gonna have some. Uh, Interesting looks around the uh, yeah yeah or do dinner for a table laugh. if for a laugh if you know yeah if you can't if if you can't get hold of the One Direction album yeah you know. download the trap baby blue and and you'll see what we mean yes <clears throat> right back to the eight sorry um, back to um, <laughs> back to the return actually it's five five albums <laughs> yeah. back to the return of Janet Jackson yeah uh, unbreakable and. Uh, her reuniting with uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, mm. who were instrumental, no pun intended, in mm. uh, creating her sound that basically helped her to sell bucket loads of records at the start of her career. Yeah. Um, so, is the return of Jam and Lewis a good thing? Pete? Yes. If you're a Janet Jackson fan. Oh, sorry, disclaimer, I'm not. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, this... Okay. Um, this is a good album. This is a, this is a great Janet Jackson album. It is a good album, you're right. Um, it, it, it's it's a fairly long, uh, but a lot of the tracks are short. Yes. So don't be put off by the uh, 17 or 18 length track list. 
Um, it, it, and I think actually as an album, it works really well. Um, it is sequenced really well. Um, you have classic Janet Jackson verging on Michael. Um, uh, yes, I think there's a, there's a couple of certainly there's, in the first third. Yes, and, yeah. and kind of in a kind of creepy icky kind, kind of, of way. In a creepy icky way. Yeah. Even, even yeah. doing the kind of ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. bits as well. It's it's yeah, um, it's, yeah. You picked up on that, and it's almost like it's almost like she went into the studio and said, "Make me sound like Michael." Um, yeah. Uh, at times, and I don't. Was it the great? Is it the great forever? That's the really one that sounds really. Yes, really it is early on. Michael it is Jackson. early on, and which is actually a good song. Don't get yeah, wrong, but, it's really, wrong. but it and, is. and lyrically, both early on and later on this album, there's clearly nods to to Michael, and his lost is is obviously still clearly felt. Um, so, yeah, the good good sort of early Janet Jackson album. What really grabbed me about this album? What, what made this album actually? Uh, was enjoyable to me was that the final third or so yeah. there was a really nice little soul album in there like an album within an album yeah um, from about uh, To Be Loved onwards um, it was a kind of real sort of funky soul album you know just thrown away at the back of the end uh, well not the back of the album but just just compiling that final third of the album um, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. It's really, really great songs there. A bit princey in places, I thought. A little that, bit princey in places, but sung really, you know, really well. Uh, musically great. Um, all gradually, all that stuff earlier with um, vocoders and so on had all been stripped away. And, and I think up until the final track, it doesn't really come back again. Um, so yeah. I actually really enjoyed that segment of the album. Um, for, so for, for me that was, that was really enjoyable so I think overall Janet Jackson if you like Janet Jackson this is another return to form yeah I, I would tend to agree, agree with that I think, I think it definitely, definitely is as you say it's a and to use the old cliche it is a solid record um, the write, writing overall is, is pr- pretty, pretty, pretty good and apart from the aforementioned slightly hmm. odd Michael Jackson impersonations yeah uh, a lot of it works well and, and I also agree with you as well once it's kind of stripped back, and it, you know, he definitely, and he definitely is her singing. Yeah, then it's good. So I think actually, there's a two of the ballads I think are, are very good. So I think it's, it's um, after you fall, and um, no sleep. Is it no sleep or is it night? Mm. No sleep. I think two ballads, both beautiful songs. Really, 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 really lovely. And I agree with you that the, the album, the last third of the album, is where it's at, at its strongest. Uh, I particularly like kind of prom- promise into kind of lessons learned, Black Eagle, Eagle and Well Travelled. Yeah, Se- section of the album just before the final track. I think it's particularly strong. And yeah, I think if you are a fan or have previously been a fan of Janet Jackson, who's might may have kind of gone nah, past it, not making any good, not making a good record, then definitely worth getting back in contact with yeah. Miss Jackson because this is definitely a good album of this type of music. Absolutely. So, with the new stuff out of the way, as it were, we uh, finish up <laughs> with a uh, little discussion <laughs> about one album, but two versions of one album. Um, so, this is brought on by the fact that Ryan Adams recently decided to cover the whole of Taylor Swift's uh, 1989 album from last year. An album that we were going to review on the podcast until... Yeah, we were. Yes, until Miss Swift happened? decided to <laughs> yank all the stuff off Spotify. Yeah. So, we didn't. 
Uh, ironically, the Ryan Adams version of the album is available on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyway, Taylor's version has already shifted over 5 million copies in the US. Um, and amusingly, his first album to do so uh, since Adele's 21. If only she was going to release a new album soon. <laughs> we haven't reviewed one of hers yet, have we? No, I think I, I think it could be coming. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I think we've missed. That. So, yeah. so anyway, I, um, when Swift's album came out last year, which, which I said we didn't review, no. um, it was I have to say the only album that we didn't review last year that would have made my top ten albums of the year had it we reviewed it. Um, because even then, I kind of thought this is a really good pop record it's a great pop record you know good 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 musically good lyrically yeah 13 tracks on it it's quite long but it kind of zips past yeah um and a good variation in the kind of even within the kind of its poppiness it's good variation in uh yeah in type of songs i mean i mean shake it off is a perfect example actually i mean that's kind of a sax Riff over and over again, which mm. you know is genius in a, in a way. So anyway, the album was produced, produced and co-written by the Swedes. Um, I can't remember what his name is now. Um, I haven't got it written Just down. Checking your notes. Yeah, I haven't got it written down. Yeah, but anyway, they're the people that wrote um, "Baby One More Time" and yeah. various things yeah. and uh, stuff. For, well, they've written for everybody, really. Um <clears throat> But they know how to write. Good pop tunes. They do in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, if only there was some popular band that yeah. could have yeah. taken it somewhere. Mm. So anyway, I already, already liked the album in its original form. Um, and clearly, as listeners to the podcast will know, also being a fan of Mr. Adams, I was curious to find out what his take on the record would, would be. And a lot of people, when they first heard he was doing it, thought maybe he was doing it to take the piss or for a laugh. Mm. Um but it is clear that uh, he's actually a genuine, genuine fan of Swift, right. and this uh, genuine fan of this album. It was one of the albums that was played most on his tour bus, apparently last, last, last year. And his original idea was just to do a couple of tracks off it mm. in a kind of Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska kind of way. And interestingly, when you listen to his version of it, there is definitely a big slice of Springsteen yeah. in the Huge. approach to mm. much of the uh, his his covers. Um, from Welcome to New York, um, in a kind of big kind of stadium kind of Springsteen kind of way, to, funny enough, his version of Shake It Off, which is basically kind of Springsteen doing I'm on fire kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and also, what's inter- interesting is that quite a lot of the covers are quite true to the orig- ri- originals, and he's only kind of messed around, if you like, um, with a few of them and it's interesting that the ones he has done messed around with a bit tended to have been the ones that were released as singles so Shake It Off is, is uh, reconstruct, deconstructed and reconstructed mm. Bad Blood Blank Space mm. have all been changed yeah. um, and so for me rather than saying oh yeah this album's better than this this version's better than this that version's better than that I, th- I think what his cover sh- does highlight if it wasn't apparent already, is what a good record the original original was and how good the songs were, because they stand up well to his interpretation and her interpretation. Yeah. So I think they're both really good records. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, to echo your comment slightly on the first version, <laughs> the original, um, yeah, completely agree. 
and uh, and actually I'm quite taken at the moment with the um, the track Wildest Dreams, mm. which I think combines the very best of Taylor Swift with <coughs> what this album's about, which is just pop. Yes, it is a pop record, but it's a brilliantly constructed pop record. But as we know, she is a, a great lyricist and a great artist. Yeah, and and as as produced as 1989 may sound or may come across, it isn't at all. Perceptions of the album completely wrong. It's a great pop record, and what's clear, and I completely understand where Ryan Adams is coming from on this, is that there is a real soul to 1989 that he's picked up on yes and he's just run with it and he's run with it in his own way it sounds very ryan adamsy in in parts yes it, it, it has to be said his 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 yes. his version of 1989 is slightly more kind of miserable and dark and slightly less upbeat than taylor's original yeah. happy version you can imagine taylor swift listening to his version and thinking oh god <laughs> What's he done? <laughs> yeah, but it does, does, show, does show how you, how you can interpret lyrics, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as I say, I prefer her version of Wildest Dreams, but I think I think I prefer his version of Bad Blood, you know. Yeah. And actually, I, I disagree. I think both versions of Bad Blood are actually quite similar, but different. Yeah, I suppose, I, mean? I suppose. But, you know, anyway, so I, I, I think I prefer... This is this is this is true. This this is tricky. Um, I obviously really like I really really like his version. I think I like his version right up until Wildest Dreams, and then I think um, it it just goes too dark after that. Yeah. Um, whereas I think her version is more consistent throughout. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, and I think right. I think this is one of his better albums as well. And he seems to have had a real return to form of late because we've, we've yes we like we like the last albums album, particularly. and he really is on a on a on a good run at the moment. So I mean, it's not only a, a great Taylor Swift record; I think it's a great Ryan Adams record as well. I I, t- I totally agree. I, th- I think if 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 Taylor Swift's original album hadn't ex- hadn't existed mm. and. Ryan Adams just put this album out as a Ryan Adams album. It'd, it'd have been a, then it's it's yeah, it, it's absolutely. it'd be a good Ryan Adams album. Yeah, it'd be a great Ryan Adams album. It, you know, so uh, you know, both albums are great. And we'll end it there. And we'll end it there. What positive note to end on? Yes. Uh, yes, we'll be back in December. We will. Are we going to pick a best before we go? Uh, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, no. Actually, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's a close call. This one. Yeah. I, I, think... I, I would actually, bizarrely, I would be tempted to say Taylor Swift's version of 1989, <laughs> but it's an album from last year. That's an album from last year. Of the of the new stuff, the stuff isn't it? Then, yeah, um, probably just, and I mean just John Grant, but it's it, it's a very close call for me, for me. For me, it's John Grant. But as you say, I think I think. Um, Ryan Adams is snapping at the heels. Yeah. And New Order's not that far behind. Right, so we'll reconvene again next time after we've gone gigging. Yeah, we've got some gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, right, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that next time. Yes. Right, good. Till then. Bye. Listening to the CTTV Music Podcast.